What a privilege it is for me to uh, lead us into God's Word. I'm going to ask or hope that uh, you might whisper a prayer right now that God's Word would come alive to you. Whatever that means to you this morning, however the Spirit might want to work in your life, it's my prayer as well. God, may your Word come alive as we're digging into it. May something be here that changes, inspires, moves, renews me. I pray for that as you, for you as well. So I invite you into this passage of Scripture. 1 Peter chapter 2. For those of you that have been here for the last several weeks, you know we've been in 1 Peter. It's a letter that's been sent to a number of churches in the area that's now known as Turkey. And we have been looking at uh, chapter 1. This last week we looked at the end of chapter 2. And now we're going back a little bit and looking at the beginning of chapter 2, the first half of chapter 2. What was read were, um, were the verses 2 through 10. Um, I don't want to leave out verse 1 because it provides a transition. Uh, kind of a new thought begins, at least in part, in verse 2. But verse 1 is in some ways a transition verse that's important. It basically says, therefore, as a result of the things that we've learned about in chapter 1, I want you to rid yourselves of things that detract from what it means to live like we described in chapter 1. So rid yourself of all maliciousness, all deceit, all those things that would smack of hypocrisy. Get rid of all envy and slander of any kind. Just get rid of it all, because those things hinder living out love as described in the previous paragraphs. But in the same regard, it provides a great bridge into this beginning half of chapter 2. This chapter, speaking to the churches, speaking to the gathered believers, is an admonition to realize that to which we have been called. And the one who empowers us to live that way. We find in this chapter that Christ is described as the living stone. Verse 1, verse 4, which is an interesting linking of two items that a stone, which is inanimate, does nothing Solid, certainly. Secure, yes. But then the adjective that goes with it, living. A living stone. What an unusual connection. Part of this is drawing on some of the other literature that the writer would have at his access. Christ in other passages and in other places. This writer draws on several of the Old Testament prophets and the Psalms in this passage. Isaiah makes reference, Hosea makes reference, and the psalmist David makes reference to the one who is to come. And so this imagery of being a solid rock, a stone, and the notion of a cornerstone is not a new thought to this writer but is drawing on some of the great, rich literature that he would have at his access. And describes this stone, in case we misunderstand, as being dynamic, living, 
powerful, transforming, a living stone. And what immediately follows is an interesting piece. Because then those who are followers of Christ are called the same thing. Living stones. Living stones that Christ uses to build together a spiritual house. What is that spiritual house? And how do we fit into that? The title of the message this morning is My Dream Home, which is not an attempt to describe all of the things that I'm hoping to do over the next few years on the church parsonage. No new additions. I'm not doing some major remodeling. But I have thought at times, over the course of my life's journey, what would comprise kind of a dream home. I had one aspiration for a future home when I was a kid growing up. My dad was a salesman, his vocational choices. We moved several times. I think I lived in about six homes over the course of my um, growing up years. Some of you lived in more. Some of you were in the same home your entire life. Half of those homes for me, I was up on the second floor. It's where my bedroom was. And the one thing that I longed for in a home was a fire pole that would go from my bedroom right down to the kitchen or the living room so that when mom called, it was just run, grab the pole, shoot right down. That's the only thing I wanted. I've actually seen in um, building magazines homes that have fire poles in them, and I just think that that's about the coolest thing. I saw one home that was didn't do that, but it was a real interesting design. There was this wonderful open expanse area, and from the second floor down into the first floor living area, a, a space that was probably about 18 to 20 feet wide. And one portion of this incline or decline, depending on what direction you're going, from the second floor down to the first floor was a staircase made of beautiful wood. But this large expanse on either side of the staircase was just flat, polished, gorgeous wood that you could just slide down. Whether you were an adult, adventurous, or kids, just skip the staircase, jump on that thing, and slide from first floor down, second floor down to first floor. Off to the side were bookcases up the side of that, and behind it was a little dinette. Very beautifully done and wonderfully adventurous. I thought, okay, if not a pole from my upstairs bedroom down to the kitchen, this would be a great thing as well. I don't have one of those yet. There's no need because I live in a one-floor place, so it wouldn't slide anywhere. I guess you could call the living room floor that. I just, never mind. My good friend, Jim, built a house in Indiana a few years back. He had kind of different dreams than I had. He has in this kind of wooded um, plot of land that he has a home that uh, is kind of a cabin. Most of the living quarters are on the second floor above the garages. And on the back side, looking out over the woods, off of the kitchen family room, wide open area, is an outdoor second floor patio. After he'd completed construction of all of the home, he was getting anxious, desiring to do another building project. 
And so he decided to construct something that he had always thought of, but had never done. So he put together the blueprints, and the first part of this was to create a staircase that went up another 12 to 15 steps from the second floor patio up to a tree that was just behind his porch. And in that tree was a little um, kind of a catwalk draped right around the tree. On the other side, as you walked around the catwalk to the other side of the tree, there was a suspended walking bridge that hung from that tree and another tree that was about 20 feet away. And planks and the kind of rope side rails that make moms nervous because they're not tight enough and the ropes aren't close enough together, but it spanned the distance from that tree to the next tree where there was another little catwalk. And he had three of those that took you further and further back into the woods until, and you could see it from the patio, but it was a good distance away, the last one took you to the treehouse that was wrapped around this wonderful tree set in the woods in which he had placed a very nice flat screen TV, lazy boy lounger, and a bed above the desk. Jim lives alone. He can spend time on these things, I guess. But a wonderful, adventurous kind of thing to make his home his. Something special. But when we think about a home and the characteristics of a home, I think that the thoughts we have about what makes it home are often not tied into the design of rooms or the structure of the roof line or some of those things that we can articulate on architectural drawings. In fact, those characteristics that make a place home for us sometimes aren't even connected to a permanent dwelling place or structure. So the question I'd like to pose to you this morning, what are the characteristics that you desire in a place that you could call home? The reason I think that that's important is that I think very often the things that we engage in and try and articulate about the world in which we live become in many ways a shadow of a spiritual reality. So this particular passage, it seems to me, at least at one level, is talking about a spiritual truth, that we are living stones built, drawn together to build a spiritual home by Christ. So what is it that we long for in a setting that we would call home for us? I know that I'm going to give some characteristics that may not be true for you, and that's fine. I want you to think of what they are for you. For me, one of those things is safety. That somehow a a place to call home is a place where I feel at some level safe from the elements or emotionally safe or safe from those things that just seem to pull on me or drag on me or 
pull me in opposite directions just by the nature of the circumstances I face. So a place called home is a place that feels safe to me. I think I would also say that it is an anchor point. It is a place that feels like I can go there almost like a touchstone and know that it's steady, like Christ described as the cornerstone, that there is something that is solid about that, a place that I can use as an anchor point. But then the great thing about an anchor point is that it is also a place in which or from which I can experience adventure. It may be adventure that takes me away from the home, or or it may be adventure where I try new things in the home. For some of you who, as you've led us so wonderfully in music, are gifted musicians, the home for you growing up was a place where you could practice, where you could experiment with riffs or or, um, particular attempts at certain musical pieces that you would never yet do in public, but you could experiment at home because you were practicing and rehearsing and Home was a place where you could do that. It was a place where in the backyard a basketball hoop is set up and you can try moves that you would never try in a game, at least not yet, but you could experiment over and over again and try those things that you didn't want to see done in public just yet, but the ability to do those things out in the backyard as you dreamed of the clock ticking down the last five seconds and you threw up a long shot from behind the fence and there are no fences on a basketball court but in the backyard there is and you can just throw it over the fence and see if you can make it that's a place where you can engage in adventure and try and experiment sometimes it's the adventure inside the house for one of the great joys of being a dad of two girls is that I think it was probably as much for me as it was for them, but I enjoyed taking cardboard boxes and taking closet doors off of their hinges and putting those things on top of chairs and draping blankets over and using tables and tunnels to go through and rooms to create where lamps were in those caves and cushions were in there where they could just create their own adventure inside a homemade cave system where friends could come over and read books in those places that was a recreation of a place for them. I think that for me as well, a place that's called home is a place for rest. A place where where I can take a deep breath. (laughs) where all of those things that make me kind of hold my breath can just be released. Where the muscles in my neck can relax. I know that for this gathering in here, not all of us have a home like that or not all of us grew up in a home like that. I know that. I'm just saying... What are the characteristics for you that would designate a place that embodies what you would hope for in a place to call home? Whether it's permanent, temporary, some of you have had the privilege 
of designing your own place. Some of us have never had that privilege. But just because you've designed the walls, there's a lot more that goes into a place that calls for designing the spirit of a place. This passage says that we have become living stones brought together to build a spiritual house. One of the other readings for this morning, we didn't read it this morning, uh, but it is for this week, comes out of the John 14 passage that I've used so many times in here. As you probably remember, one of my favorite, it's where Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place, I will come so that where I am, you can be also. And down at the end of the chapter, if you obey my commandments, my Father will love you and we will come and we'll make our abiding place with you and in you. That passage has been transformative in my prayer life as I believe that I search in prayer the wonderful mansion that God has set up within me and that it's a shadow of that which is to come. This passage in 1 Peter speaks not of the individual, but of the community of believers. So then the question becomes, what should this place be? If we just describe the characteristics that we long for, in a place that feels like home, let's just move those characteristics over to the gathering of the body of believers that comes together and is sometimes described as San Diego First Church of the Nazarene. Should not this be a place that feels safe? Physically, emotionally, spiritually safe? A place where I, I know I can come and and I can let the guard down just a little bit. I, I, maybe more than a little bit. Because I know that I'm coming into a place where others have... I've heard them say it. I'm a sinner. Saved by God's grace. I'm struggling to figure this journey out. I'm on the journey with you. We're in this together. We don't have to pretend that we know where First Peter is. We can lean to the person beside us and say, I have no idea where First Peter is. And the person can say, well, let me show you. I'm going to have to look at the table of contents because I don't really know either. I think it's at the end of the New Testament. We can say that and it's okay. We can say, you know, I've tried to put into practice some of the things I've heard on a Sunday morning. And this last week I just bombed. It didn't work out the way I thought. I tried to do some things in the marketplace that I thought would be faithful and I just got ripped for it wasn't as easy as I thought. And I can come and I can say that and I don't feel out of place. I don't have to be concerned about economic issues. I don't have to be concerned about ethnic background. I don't have to worry about whether my accent is right or my history is from the correct place or if I know inside language for what it means to be there at all. I can just come and it's a safe place to be me. Me. That's what this place 
is called to be. That's what this passage is compelling us to do. I I long that this place be an anchor, a touchstone, a place where we can come on Sunday mornings or gather in small groups in somebody's home, whether it's a large gathering like this or whether it's the expression of Christ in a local small group gathering in your home. But that you can go to that place and it becomes this anchor point. A place where I can feel like I can touch base, get my bearings, rethink priorities, and then go, okay, now I'm off for the next adventure. Or maybe the adventure is here. Maybe it's in the challenge in a Sunday morning announcement that says, have you ever gone to an orphanage? How about that as an adventure? How about considering joining in with a group of people that you probably don't know much about their background, but share yours and hear theirs and see where the stories come together? How about an adventure that leads you from this place to Rwanda or Philippines or Malawi or downtown San Diego to work with a group who's wrestling with human trafficking or trying to provide food for those who are in need? What an adventure! Can this be an anchor point, a touchstone, a cornerstone place whereby you go from here and work in a doctor's office, keep books for an organization, pack groceries, help with landscaping, work on a road crew, give your life in the home as a stay-at-home parent, engage yourself in studies at school, that that becomes an adventure because you've been able to come to a place that's an anchor point. Garnered who you are in Christ and decided to engage those places with an adventurous spirit, a hopeful heart, a looking for what God might do because Christ has gone before you and has prepared the path for your journey. I also think of a place, a home, as being a place where guests might come. One of the amazing characteristics of my wife is she has this wonderful ability when somebody's stopping by, when somebody's going to come over for share soup, or somebody's going to spend the night she does things to the home that just have welcome all over them without the word ever being said. It's something on top of a dresser. It's something beside a doorway. It is a place that says to the person who comes, you're welcome. It is a fragrance A fragrance that, like the scripture says, an aroma of Christ that we're called to be that says, a home away from home. That's what this place needs to be. 
A place where welcome is spread all over who we are. A place where Carrie can be Carrie. And others can care for Carrie. A place where D can be D. And others can care for D. A place where you can be you. And you can feel that you are cared for, loved, prayed over. And that we're on the journey together. However this journey takes us, wherever this journey goes, we know, because this passage tells us, that our call is first and foremost to recognize that Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. Jesus' character, Jesus' grace, Jesus' mercy, Jesus' love that was exemplified for us not only provided the way for salvation, but provides the means for salvation and shows to us how we live in such a manner that proclaims that good news to others. We are called. As soon as we say, Lord, come into my life's journey. Be the Lord of my life. We then become living stones. Part of this gathering body of believers and part of the church around the globe. Called to be on an adventure. For some, it's joining in with what Red Brick is doing in our all weekend service project here on the point. How wonderful to join with others who are sharing the same good news and participating in the same wonderful things and that we can join in with that to be a place where people can come and wrestle with their journey here. Can we be that place? Maybe for some this morning. The first step is to say, Lord, I need your spirit to work in my life and do a remodel of my home from the inside out. Forgive me from the ways, for the ways in which I have pushed against you and pushed against others. Will you, Lord, be my savior and begin the remodeling project? For some of us, that's the prayer for this morning. For others, it's, Lord, thank you for helping with this remodeling project. Help me to join in with others who are on the journey this morning and help us together to create a spiritual home that says welcome to others. For some, it's a morning to simply listen to God's voice in your life and be responsive to what it means, having touched this place, to go out and live the adventure of faith. What's that adventure for you this week? Father in heaven, hear our prayers. Prayers of hope and salvation. Prayers of confession. Prayers that sometimes include regret and sorrow. Prayers, Lord, that 
of embarrassment where we don't know how to give to you the crumbled stuff of who we are and what we've done. Prayers where we ask for forgiveness, Lord. Will you please move in to this home of our heart? It needs a big remodeling. Would you consider being a resident while we remodel together? And Lord, for some of us, the homes of which we are a part, parts may exemplify you and others, Lord, it's just hard, difficult. Will you help us to be part of what makes those homes better? Where we have power, where we have a voice, where we have a say. May we do away with all maliciousness, all deceit, all hypocrisy, all envy, all slander, and instead help us to set our hearts on things above. As the writer of Colossians says, Lord, to bear with one another, to love one another, to put on mercy and grace. And Lord, this is your home. We are your living stones construct in this place called SDFC a solid anchor place a place that's safe a place that's adventurous a place of rest oh Lord help us to be your home thank you Father